Unleavened Bread Ministries presents From your hands, your feet, your side Unleavened Bread Bible Studies with David Eels Can quench my thirsting soul Purest water make me whole Let your streams of mercy flow Oh Jesus, I trust in you Greetings, saints Many blessings to you. Thank you for joining us today for the Unleavened Bread Bible Study. And Lord, thank you so much, Lord, for being in all of this, giving us your wisdom, and uh, drawing us unto yourself, showing these exercises that we're sharing here to be in the bride, that, that people need to take these seriously. And we thank you for it, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, we're going to talk about overcoming to be in the bride, number three. And the first revelation we're going to share is from Tiana Fire that she got on 11 We called it Tribulation Worketh Steadfastness. Amen. Tiana said, I saw myself as a little girl around five years old. Well, we know the number five represents grace. And um, she has in parenthesis here, representing that we need to be as a little child, having childlike faith, and to be trusting our Father in everything, and to be humble uh, to let go of everything that we know, and to start new in God's way. Amen. I agree. And she gives Matthew 19 and 14. But Jesus said, Suffer the little children, and forbid them not to come unto me, for to such belongeth the kingdom of heaven. And also Matthew 18, 1 through 4. In that hour came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called to him a little child, and set him in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, Except you turn and become as little children, you shall in no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. All right. She said, I was looking straight up ahead. I believe this might be representing having an eye that is single. Matthew 6 and 22. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. And looking up is where the sun can come in, right? Well, there were grassy fields, she said, and hills. And the grassy field uh, and the hills represent the life of the flesh with its ups and downs and instability. And First Peter one twenty four says, All flesh is as grass, and all the glory thereof as the flower of the grass. The grass withereth, and the flower falleth. Amen. Further away in the distance was the sun. It was either setting or rising, 
I couldn't tell which. Well, I believe that the Lord showed that the sun is rising, and it represents Jesus, the resurrection life, being offered to the earth. Uh, and to the first fruits who receive this would be uh, his man-child, and us getting there in time to be able to be a part of the bride who is under the sun, S-U-N slash S-O-N. Uh, what came to me was Proverbs 4 and 18, but the path of the righteous is as the dawning light that shineth more and more unto the perfect Day, The perfect day, by the way, is when there's no shadows, the Bible talks about. It's when the sun is straight up, right? I started running in the direction of the sun. Psalm 119 and 32, I will run the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. It's grace, folks, it's grace. Call upon God for his grace. My urge was to get there as quick as possible, and it was all I felt or could think about, and I had so much energy, uh, probably representing, she says here, uh, that we are to love Jesus and seek Him above everything, to let go of everything that isn't Him, and including ourself. Only He and His kingdom should be on our minds. At this particular time, I say, yes, we are hearing that. She goes on to say, only he and his kingdom should be on our minds. I agree. Matthew 10, 37 through 39 says, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that doeth not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life shall, for my sake, shall find it. We have to lose the old life. It cannot go to heaven. But thank God that Jesus did this for us, and we keep our eyes on him, and we reckon ourselves to be dead unto sin, but alive unto God by our faith, right? Having much energy represents being filled with the Holy Spirit, she said. Well, Having supernatural energy represents that His power is made perfect in our weakness. Second Corinthians 12 and 9 says, And He has said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Amen. It's Him, not us. It's grace, right? Call upon His grace. I ran as fast as I could at full speed towards the sun, S-U-N slash S-O-N, <laughs> and I wasn't looking where I stepped, representing always looking to Jesus. I ran down hills and up hills. I believe this was representing enduring in our faith through good times and bad, right? Matthew ten twenty two says, And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. Amen. Amen. We will be hated of all men. We will have our Judases, 
Uh, we just received a very strong sign that the Judas that is going to bring uh, the man-child to his cross is manifesting. Second Timothy 2 and 22 says, she said, But flee youthful lusts and follow after righteousness, faith, love, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And Hebrews 12 and 1 and 2 says, Therefore, let us also, seeing that we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, thank you, Lord, for faith. Without it, without that gift, we just would not make it. Thank you for your grace given us by faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Yes, and we know the man-child is in this position now, getting ready. And when I was running on one hill, I had accidentally tripped and tumbled to the bottom. And she says, representing making a mistake or trials and tribulations. It hurt, but I didn't care. I quickly got back up and started running as fast as I could again. We all make mistakes out of ignorance, but we should be quick to repent and know that we are forgiven and to keep going on towards the Lord. Not to get distracted with guilt, self-condemnation, or wallowing in failure, which is all a distraction from the enemy. We should keep looking towards Jesus, who has already paid the price for us, and he has already accomplished everything for us. Yeah, and I thought of uh, Proverbs 24 and 16, for a righteous man falleth seven times, but riseth up again, but the wicked are overthrown by calamity. Yes, amen. Romans 5, 3 and 4 says, And not only so, but we also rejoice in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation worketh steadfastness, and steadfastness approvedness, and approvedness hope. Uh, and also Psalm 18 and 29, For by thee I run upon a troop, and by my God do I leap over a wall. There's supernatural energy there, right? Some of the ground was prickly and sharp, and she said representing tribulation. But I didn't care about the pain. Well, the prickly ground represents the porcupine Christians the wicked and factious around us who help us uh, on our journey of crucifixion and death to self. In, a, in Ezekiel 2 and 6, we're told, And thou, son of man, be not afraid of them, neither be afraid of their words, though briars and thorns are with thee, and thou dost dwell among scorpions. Be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks, though they are a rebellious house. Yes, they are. She went on to say, The sun seemed so far away, and naturally you'd think 
to slow down as to not wear yourself out, but that didn't stop me from running as fast as I could. I think today is the day you need to run as fast as you can. Things are going to change. Doors are going to close and other doors are going to open. And you need to be ready now. Ephesians 2 and 13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you that once were far off, she said she was too far from the sun, right? Are made nigh in the blood of Christ. Amen. We see the end from the beginning, don't we? Oh, glory be to God. That's what faith is all about. Seeing the end from the beginning. Hallelujah. The weather was hot, but I didn't care. I didn't even desire to drink any water or anything. All that was on my mind and heart's desire was to get to where the sun, S-U-N slash S-O-N, is as soon as possible. Amen. Run to Him today. She gives 1 Corinthians nine twenty four through 27. Know ye not that they that run... Uh, in a race, run all, but one receiveth the prize. That is, of course, those who abide in Jesus Christ. We are one in Him, right? Even so, run that you may attain. And every man that striveth in the games exercises self-control in all things. Now they do it to receive a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run as not uncertainly, so fight I as not beating the air, but I buffet my body and bring it into bondage, lest by any means after that I have preached to others, I myself should be rejected. Well, she said, the wind picked up and it started raining, but I didn't stop. I just kept going. I ran past people, not stopping to say hi. <laughs> She said the people represent um, apostates or people sent from the enemy to distract us from Jesus, right? Sometimes they're well-meaning people, but, you know, they just don't know the race that you're on. And she gives Second John 1, 9-11, Whosoever goeth onward and abideth not in the teaching of Christ hath not God. So people that don't continue on, in humbling themselves to the Word, they don't have God. They're just religious. He that abideth in the teaching, the same hath both the Father and the Son. And, of course, we were told that if we are obey the Son, the Father will come to us. Amen? There's an if there. If anyone cometh unto you and bringeth not this teaching, receive him not into your house, and give him no greeting. For he that giveth him greeting partaketh in his evil works. Yes, you, if you do greet these people, you will be doing what they're doing. And because you're disobeying this text. I ran through wheat farms, representing various religious organizations and teachings. I did not stop to eat. 1 Corinthians 5.11 says, but as it is, I wrote unto you not to keep company if any man that is named a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or reviler, which is a railer, or a drunkard or an extortioner, 
with such a one know not to eat. And he's talking about eating the Passover lamb here in the text in 1 Corinthians 5. So, I ran through flower fields and did not stop to smell the flowers. Hmm. Well, even beautiful and good things can be distractions. But, but we are running a race here, you see. Jesus said not to even worry about what we eat or drink and those things that are basic, physical, needs, or anything else. Matthew six twenty five through 34 says, Therefore I say unto you, Be not anxious for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than raiment? Uh, behold, the birds of the heaven that they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, and your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are not ye of much more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add one cubit unto the measure of his life? And why are you anxious concerning raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Verse 30 goes on. But if God doth so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Be not therefore anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of these things, so he'll take care of it. Basically, that's what we're hearing here, you know. But seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness. Now this running towards the sun, it, it depicts this verse right here. Seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Be not Therefore, anxious for the morrow, for the morrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Amen. And she said, I ran past trees under tree branches, and I ran into a branch and cut my face and hurt my eyes. Well, sometimes um, we get troubles along the way, right? When we run into the branch, Jesus, we see the truth about ourselves, and it can be painful. But as we look into the mirror by faith, we all transform into the image of Jesus. Amen? Yeah. And Second Corinthians 3 and 18, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are transformed into the same image from glory to glory even as from the Lord the Spirit. And uh, she went on to say, None of this stopped me. I just wanted to get where the sun was. Amen. Hallelujah. I didn't even think to slow down or stop for a while, but I kept going. Uh, despite what the enemy or the world throws at us, we are to press on. Philippians three twelve through 14 not that I have already obtained or am already made perfect, but I press on, if so be, that I may lay hold on that for which also I 
was laid hold on by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I could not myself yet to have, I count not myself yet to have laid hold, but one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind. That's those insignificant physical things, you know. And stretching forward to the things which are before, I press on towards the goal unto the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It's time to run to the sun. I got closer and closer, and I just knew that getting there was all that mattered. And it didn't matter if my body was sore or worn out or if I tripped or if something would try to hinder me. I would just keep going and then would rest when I got there. Some people want to rest in between. You know, we don't have time to rest. We're running a race, right? So keep focused on Jesus and keep running the race. James 1 and 12 says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he hath been approved, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord promised to them that love him. And, and if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, he said, right? And Matthew 24 and 13, uh, But he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. And Second Timothy 4, 7 and 8, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me at that day. And not to me only, but also to all them that have loved his appearing. Yes. Okay, this is given to Samuel Fire, 1130-22. We called it Run With Patience, the Race Set Before Us. Amen. I had a vision of myself running on an escalator, but I was running against its direction. The escalator is the flesh and self and the world and their ways and the enemy and the principalities and powers. It represents everything that tries to get us to turn away from continuing the path to Jesus. The distractions, trials, apostate people, everything the enemy uses is always trying to get us to turn away from God uh, or to backslide. Running against the escalator is running against the direction of the enemy and not letting him push us back. Yes, and Galatians five sixteen and 17 says, But I say, walk in the Spirit, and you shall in no wise fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are contrary one to another, that you may not do what things you would. Yes, if you're doing what things you would, well, then you're not going to make it. So the escalator was very wide, like a track circuit, as it had uh, many lanes. Okay. Well, we we have to run contrary to the worldly way and the multitudes, right? Matthew 7 and 13, the broad uh, is the way and that leadeth to destruction, and many are they that enter in thereby. Yes, the overwhelming majority, actually. And the other lanes, um, he says, uh, represent other people's walks. True. The other escalators were also moving in the opposite direction. 
and I saw many other people that I have met in my progress towards Christ. All different types of Christians. No person kept to a particular lane. Well, our lives are interwoven with the lives of a lot of other people uh, that God brings into our path in uh, the great tapestry of life. And no man is an island unto themselves. Everything we do affects people around us and affects the paths of others. So we have to be careful. He said, I felt like I was fully sprinting the entire time, going faster than the escalator was, and I did not lose any energy or ground. In Isaiah 40 and 31, But they that wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles, and shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Amen. Some of the other people on the escalator were also making progress. Others were barely running, and some weren't fast enough and were moving slowly or even quickly backwards. Yep, that's what escalators do. The world will take you away. Hebrews 10 and 39 came to me, but we are not of them that shrink back unto perdition, but of them that have faith unto the saving of the soul. Amen. I didn't want to get distracted or caught up with others. I wanted to reach the end as quick as possible. I had to dodge and weave around uh, some people to keep from being held back. <clears throat> well, Hebrews twelve one through 3 says this. It says, Therefore now, we also, having so great a cloud of witnesses encompassing us, let us lay aside every weight and the easily besetting sin, and let us run with patience the race set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising shame. This is what it is to run against the multitudes, right? They are, they're going to be against you if you don't uh, comfort them that they're going in the right direction. <laughs> despising shame, and hath sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that hath endured such gainsaying of sinners against himself, that you weary not, fainting in your souls. I've endured a lot of gainsaying of terrible sinners, uh, even though I've lived in none of their lives and none of their wickedness. Um, and that's just the norm. I mean, you're going the opposite way of them, and they, you make them uncomfortable. <laughs> it was not all bad, as I was accompanied by many who were further ahead and some alongside me. Well, First Corinthians nine twenty four and twenty five. I know you not that uh, who run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. Again, it fits very well. So run ye, that ye may apprehend. And every one that striveth in the games exercises self-control in all things. Self-control. That's the cross, right? Now they do it, therefore, to receive a corruptible crown, but you an incorruptible. And also Philippians 3 and 16. Only whereunto we have attained by that same rule, let us also walk. So when I woke up, I asked the Lord for interpretation. 
And the running represents our striving for the goal in Christ to be with him for eternity. That's true. And we get there by grace. We put our faith in him. We see the end from the beginning, right? But Philippians 3 and 14 says, I follow on towards the mark unto the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. And Luke 9 and 23, And he was saying to all, If any would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And also John seventeen eleven, And I am no more in the world, and they are in the world, and I come unto thee, Holy Father. Keep them in thy name, in which thou hast given them to me, that they may be one even as we are. Amen. And First John 4 and 5. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. And Ephesians 6 and 12. For our wrestling is not against uh, flesh and blood, but against principalities and against authorities and against the world rulers of this darkness, against spiritual of wickedness in the heavenlies. True. Okay, I'm going to jump to uh, Garrett Crawford's Revelation. You got 4, 17, and 22. The call to come higher. Mm. I have had two dreams about a tower, but this wasn't like a fortress tower. It was more like an antenna tower or something that is used to transmit a signal, and it stretched high into the sky. Amen. Um, I believe we know about that tower. I believe that's what we're working at, too, you know. Hebrews 13 and 16 comes to me, but to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Uh, we should not forget uh, the Great Commission, to get the gospel out to the world, right? This is dear to the heart of the Lord. In both dreams, uh, I felt like I was supposed to climb the tower, but I was afraid of the height. Well, you can imagine, you know, how that could be. Uh, fear will hold us back from all the heavenly things that God has planned for us in, in our lives. He said... Um, it was too high in the air, and I thought that if uh, I fell, I would surely die. Yep, well, that's what the devil tells you. You know, you don't want to go there, you know. <laughs> that's dangerous. Look at that. Well, danger is relative, right? And eternal life has its dangers. Physical life has its dangers. So we can't be afraid to put to death our, our beastly nature, or we will never make the climb to the top of Mount Zion. Hebrews twelve eighteen through 22 says, For you are not come unto a mount that might be touched. So this is not a physical Mount Zion. And that burned with fire, and unto blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and the voice of words, which voice they that heard entreated that no word more should be spoken unto them. For they could not endure that which was enjoined. I, if even a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned. 
Yeah, the uh, beasts can't go up on the highway of holiness, the Bible says. Right? They can't stand it. And so fearful was the appearance that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But you are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, not the earthly. You have come to the heavenly Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from God. And it comes to the Philadelphia church, as you noticed, you know, because that's the bride. And the bride is being born from heaven, the Bible says. Don't get mixed up in the letter, okay? In this second dream, the tower seemed uh, much higher than in the first dream. To even look that high up sent shivers down my spine. Again, you can imagine what that could mean. We must cast down fear and all vain imaginations that would prevent us from going higher with God, right? Second Corinthians 10, 3 and 5 through 5 is, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but mighty before God to the casting down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that is exalted against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Okay, so Tiana Fire had this on 11-28-22. Uh, we called it, Run quickly to Jesus, don't get caught in the cracks. <laughs> uh, I dreamed that I saw Jesus sitting on a throne, representing the secret place of the Most High. And, of course, heavenly places in Christ, right? So, in the distance was all darkness, and the only light that I could see was above and around where Jesus was sitting. Where Jesus was, it was the brightest, and the further away from where he was got darker. Well, John 8 and 12. Jesus spake unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Amen. The ground that Jesus and his throne was sitting on was pure yellow, or gold, right? But all the ground that led away from him was a dark brownish look in color. Hmm. So Jesus is the light of life. John 18 and 12 says, The further we are from Jesus, the more that death and the curse is upon our lives, represented by brownish-looking ground, which is in our flesh, right? 1 Peter 1 and 24. Mm -hmm. The ground Jesus was on was clean and brand new. The ground away from him was dirty and old. Yep. Dirty and old. We have to draw near to Him so that we don't um, fade away with the earth, right? Jesus came to make our lives brand new and to redeem us from the curse of sin and death. Galatians 3 and 13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. Also, 
let me say, that uh, stagnant, dead religion without power will keep us from running the race. We get satisfied with the race that the people around us are running, and many times that is negligent. (laughs) So, I saw myself in the third person, a little distance away, walking towards him, representing our walk or life here on earth, getting closer to seeing our Creator uh, each moment of our spiritual journey to enter into the secret place, he said. And I kept stepping forward. The ground behind me would fall away and disappear. So from a distance, the ground kept getting smaller as I got closer to him. Uh, Luke 13 and 24 says, Strive to enter in by the narrow door, for many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. He went on, The ground in this fleshly life uh, is falling away, uh, and it represents that our old nature is passing away. I believe so. And the closer we get to Jesus, the more the bright light um, uh, puts to death the old man, right? Time in this world is limited, and we need to get to Jesus before the time is up. Yep, we each have a certain amount of time. Some of us don't have as long as others. Uh, There are things coming to end many people's lives in the days to come. So this also represents trials and tribulations, and when we overcome them, they are gone from us. Hence, the ground is disappearing. You don't even remember some of the sins that you used to do, you know. They're just gone. And when the devils have done their job to get us to repent and overcome, because that's what they do, right? They give us a purpose to turn towards the Lord. They have no purpose to attack us anymore. In other words, the best way to get rid of them is to overcome. Amen. So they, too, fall off of us. And the wicked do, too. Amen. Taking a step towards Jesus each time is representing overcoming the devil and his demons. Amen. And I might add James 4 and 7, Be subject therefore unto God, but resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I wanted to get closer, quicker, so I started running, and the ground was cracking faster underneath me. Oh, boy. The Lord will do a quick work in us, folks. Just believe it and keep on running. So I moved faster to get off of it, and I started running so that I would not get caught in the cracks of the falling ground. If I walked too slow, I would have fallen with the ground. Yep, that's true. And um, also Romans 9, 27 through 29. As uh, Isaiah crieth concerning Israel, if the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, it is the remnant that shall be saved. For the Lord will execute his word upon the earth, finishing it and cutting it short. And as Isaiah has said before, except the Lord of the Sabbath had left unto us a seed, we had become as Sodom and had been like unto Gomorrah. He said, the cracks increased, and I knew I couldn't do 
this without Jesus. Only He could stop me from falling off or tripping. I needed God's grace, as I could do could could not do it alone. Amen. It is grace. I got near to where Jesus was, and He reached out towards me, and I was allowed to run straight into His arms, where He greeted me with a giant cuddle. Amen. So Jesus will run to meet us where we are, just like the father in the parable of the prodigal son, right? We're running to him, running from our sin, running from our past. Amen. He said, I was surprised that I was able to walk straight into the pure and clean yellow or gold ground from the dirty yellow-brown ground, and then I woke up. I felt that the cracks and the ground falling are trials and tribulations, and the trials get us to rely on God and to know we need Jesus for everything, including all the little things that we need God uh, for our every breath and our heartbeat. And we need to know every second, no matter what we are doing, that we need Him every moment, we are created to commune with Him, and now and forever. He wants to commune with us. He wants to manifest through us. He's so kind and gentle that He uh, goes at our pace, but uses the enemy to get us to keep moving towards Him. And if the enemy wasn't attacking, and we weren't going through trials, we might fall into the trap of walking too slow, or sitting down to rest, or getting distracted with something else. Amen? True. And Acts 14 and 22 came to me, confirming the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and that through many tribulations we must enter into the kingdom of God. Amen. Then we got one from Claire Pinar, Pinar, 11.23.22. And we called it Forsake the World and the Flesh. Amen. I dreamed I was with my parents and my little family, and we were packing up to leave the next day. We planned to leave very early while it was still dark on Sunday morning. Well, Sunday is um, the first day of the week, representing the beginning of the seven-day years of the Tribulation, when gross darkness covers the peoples, as in Isaiah 60 and 2. My dad, probably representing our old man of the flesh, right, was packing the car. He had way too much stuff in the van so that we couldn't fit ourselves into the van. Of course, you're the, yourselves is the one that needs to get there the most, right? The rest will perish. Uh Rion, my husband, meaning Little Lion King and representing Jesus, our heavenly husband, uh, Rion had to rearrange the gear. It was strange because we already sold the things that my dad was packing into the van, and I don't know where he had retrieved all this stuff from. Well, spiritually, uh, she writes, the old man is a hoarder of all material goods. <laughs> we knew a man that we helped to, to, to throw away all of his hoarding stuff. 
only to find out the next day that he had gone out and got it and brought it back. <laughs> yeah, that's a demon. Yes, you know. And our emotional baggage that weighs us down and, and crowds out the spirit man uh, is a danger. It's not needful for the kingdom, she said, but we should be content with food and covering. First Timothy 6 6 through 8. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and neither can we carry anything out. But having food and covering, we shall be therewith content. Um, and Rion, the morning of the next day is the morning of the third thousand year day from Christ, or the seventh from Adam. And Sunday is a day of rest, and we must enter into it with as little of our own baggage as possible. That's true. Once Rion took all of the excess stuff out of the car, we were able to fit ourselves in with our blue suitcases. Well, the blue luggage represents the heavenly promises that we agree with and have faith for. Like Matthew six nineteen to twenty one, it says, "Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth, where moth and rust consume, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth consume, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where thy treasure is, there will thy heart be also." That's the word of the Lord. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Then we were at a tulip festival. Well, I think the tulip festival represents the beautiful flowers which are able, uh, which are a parable to us not to be anxious about the physical clothing that we pass away, uh, for God will take care of us. Yeah. All this is going to pass away. All this is temporal, you know. But the worldly celebrates the physical, right? So they're going to this tulip festival to find out what the worldly are doing here. Matthew six twenty-eight through 30. And why are you anxious concerning raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So it wasn't through their works that God uh, dresses them in this beauty, right? And we, we want to be beautiful because we want to be in the bride, right? But if God does so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? So we need to put on the life of Christ, right? Which means putting on his works. And the Lord already gave us those works from the foundation of the world, the Bible says. So we, we accept it. So the festival was run by a very large woman with a short bob haircut. Well, your hair, of course, is a sign of submission. And obviously she don't have submission to the Lord here. And he said she represents the overindulgent flesh that likes to uh, put on a show. Yes, that's right. She was very jovial and had us marked down as visitors to the event 
from the six previous years. Well, six is the number of man in the works of man, right? And the seventh is the day of resting from man's works, okay? So now they're resting, and the world doesn't like it, right? The six years likely represents the beastly flesh or the world, he says in John 17 and 14. I have given them thy word, and the world hateth them, because they are not of the world, and even as I am not of the world. Yes, don't worry about pleasing people who are not saved, even your family. Please the Lord. Listen to the Lord. Don't be impressed by what they want you to do. They're going the opposite direction. You can pray for them so that they will turn around. True. But don't be impressed with following them. She asked me if I wanted to order any tulips. I said, no, thank you. She seemed upset with me about that. Well, you can understand why, right? The world will constantly try to offer us its fancy trinkets, and they get offended when we don't want to participate with them in it. Kind of like Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Well, James 4 and 4. You adulteresses, know you not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, would be a friend of the world maketh himself an enemy of God. Please God. He's the only one you have to please if you want to go and be with him, right? She had told me she bought a puppy, so I went to look at it. It was in her lap. It had been so thoroughly inbred that it was struggling to breathe. However, she thought he was beautiful. Well, I'll tell you that dogs represent the lost, uh, and they represent the lost Christians, too, and they're dead churches. Uh, and they're in a process of dying without the breath of the Spirit. Some of them do not believe in being filled with the Holy Spirit and the power of God. And Second Peter two twenty through 22 says, For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and they are again entangled therein and overcome, the last state is become worse with them than the first. For it were better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered unto them. It has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog turning to his own vomit again. Yeah. So I asked her, how do you get any sleep with all that noise from its breathing? Uh, her husband literally shoved me away and said, get out. You don't buy anything anyway. <laughs> well, the wicked tolerate us unless it doesn't profit them, like uh, those who pressure you to tithe to them, you know, things like that. They'll tolerate you. They'll tolerate any kind of sin in the church if you just pay your tithes, you know. Um, and that was the end of that dream. Um. She said, we should never entertain anything that is void of the Spirit or breath of God, including dead religions. Isaiah 5 and 20 says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, 
and put darkness for light, and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet, and sweet for bitter. True, true. Emtiana Fire, got this in 2020. The road of crucifixion is bumpy. Mm-hmm. So expect the bumps. No, not a problem. I dreamed of a single lane road. And she said, representing Jesus, uh, the only way to the Father and the highway of holiness. Amen. And, of course, the ladder to heaven, if you remember that, right? So this road went through a forest, she said, uh, representing our individual wilderness tribulation, I believe. Uh, it was filled with many trees. Well, trees have the ability to provide oxygen, which is the essential of life uh, for all living things on our planet. And they have the ability to remove harmful gases like carbon dioxide, purifying the air as we breathe, right? And the tree-lined path represents following the Holy Spirit of God, right? The breath of God, the Holy Spirit of God, whose breath is always with us. Amen. And uh, she said, Jesus is Emmanuel, meaning God with us. And when we receive the Holy Spirit, we start walking on the path to our Father. And as we will see, we go through much tribulation and many trials to see if we will continue in Christ or go off the path. There's only one way, and Jesus has already prepared the way for us because He is the way, right? Amen. So we're, we're looking to walk in the steps of Jesus, and your dead religions always tell you you can't do that. Okay? But everyone who says they abide in Him, let them walk as He walked. That's what the Bible says. So He is the way. So will we keep going on His way or go off into the highway to hell, she says. Amen. And she gives some verses here. John 14 and 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one cometh unto the Father but by me. You have to follow him in the way. That's what they called it in the book of Acts, the way. And Matthew 4 and 1, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Oh, so you think the Holy Spirit would lead Jesus to be tempted and he wouldn't lead us to be tempted because this is your trial. This is to see how much you love the Lord. Will you keep his commandments in the midst of the temptation? We have to be tested. We have to be tried. And Acts 14 and 22, confirming the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and that through many tribulations we must enter into the kingdom of God. And John 16 and 33, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. It's done. It's a done deal. Believe it, receive it, and walk in it. And Job 33 and 4, The Spirit of God hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty giveth me life. And Isaiah 35, 8 through 10. 
and the highway shall be there, and a way, a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. You, you watch them. They love their sins more than they love God. They won't pass over it. But it shall be for the redeemed. The wayfaring men, yea, fools, shall not err therein. Yep. That's why you have to preach the word, which is the way, because the fools will depart, and those who want to repent will listen even though it hurts. Okay, verse 9. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast go up thereon. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion. And everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. And they shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Y'all know that song? Mm-hmm. The road was gray, probably representing the way of the cross, which is death to self, right? And it was very clean and well taken care of, probably representing holiness and being spiritually clean, uh, she says. The road would go in a straight line, but it would sometimes go over hills and bumps. Yep, sometimes it's a bumpy trail. Matthew seven thirteen and 14 says, Enter ye by the narrow gate, for wide and spacious is the way that leadeth unto destruction, and many are they that enter thereby. Because narrow is the gate, and straightened the way that lead unto life, but few are they that find it. And Second Corinthians 7, 1, Having therefore these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Some say that's not possible. Well, it's everything is possible with God. And if, if you have God, you won't have a problem. <laughs> she said, I saw a white car uh, representing our mobile tabernacle and being led by the Holy Spirit. Uh, it was casually cruising on the road and not going too fast or too slow, but just the right speed. And she says, God's timing is perfect, and He already has prepared everything for us before the foundation of the world. This is true. And Second Peter 3 and 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering to you, word, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Amen. She said the white car would go up and down many bumps. Yep. The bumps represent various trials and tribulations, and getting past the bump represents overcoming these trials. She said, yep, I agree. I watched the car go over three giant bumps or hills very smoothly and without trouble, still keeping the same speed. Well, people, she says, uh, overcome when they let the Holy Spirit manifest through them, and they know they can do all things through Christ who strengthens them. Amen. You know that when you have the Holy Spirit, when you're full of the Holy Spirit, you know that. 
God has already done it all for us, and we only need to rest in His finished works. Amen. First John 5, 4 and 5 says, For whatsoever is begotten of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that hath overcome the world, even our faith. And who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Amen. And First John 4 and 4 says, You are of God, my little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Just remember, your family, your parents, all of them who don't know the Lord, they don't understand your direction. They don't understand your fanaticism. Don't pay any attention to that. Obey the Lord and run. And also, I might add, Revelation twelve eleven, and they overcome him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they loved not their life even unto death. They didn't love the old life. They were running from the old life to the new life of Christ, the Son. I saw in the distance that the road was very long, and there were many more bumps up ahead. Well, we enter the kingdom of God through much tribulation, and we need to expect it. Don't get shocked, you know, when you go through troubles on the way. I also saw that the forest would soon end and the terrain would be a desert. Well, the desert is the wilderness tribulation that the bride is prepared for because she has already been tribulated to bear the fruit of Jesus on the highway of holiness. And everyone else in the desert will weep and mourn because their tribulation is just beginning. But the bride is coming into the rest. Amen. Jeremiah thirty-one thirteen through 17 said, Then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old together. For I will turn their mourning into joy, and I will comfort them and make them rejoice from their sorrow. What is the sorrow? The sorrow is losing the old life, being willing to give it up and walk away. And all the persecution of the people that come against you when you do that. And I will satiate the soul of the priests and with fatness, and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, saith the Lord. And thus saith the Lord, a voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping, Rachel weeping for her children. She refuseth to be comforted for her children, because they are not. That was a great tribulation in the natural, of course. But it represented those uh, brethren of Jesus who were killed while the dragon was trying to get to him. <laughs> yes. And thus saith the Lord, Refrain thy voice from weeping and thine eyes from tears, for thy work shall be rewarded, says the Lord. And they shall come again from the land of the enemy. That's right. Okay. Uh, so just think about that. The Lord has resurrection life for some, right? And there is hope for thy latter end, says the Lord, and thy children shall come again to their own border. 
And also Matthew 5 and 7 says, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Oh, hallelujah. Okay, this is also Claire Pinar, 423-22, and she called it three bridges, but only one goes all the way across. And you can consider that the water might represent the curse. And the bridges, of course, are to keep us above the curse, kind of like Noah in the ark. So keep that in mind as we share this, right? I dreamed I was watching three bridges being constructed in parallel over a body of water that looked like a big bay. And I noticed that I was wearing a very shiny, bright garment that was flowing and covered me everywhere. Uh, well, Claire probably represents the bride because her name means brilliant and the bride's garments are bright and pure as spoken of in Revelation 19 and 8, right? And uh, I was translated to the first bridge, which was furthest away from my initial vantage point. Hmm. So she went to the farthest away bridge. Well, as we will see, this first bridge represents the path of the majority of God's people. They are the furthest away from the teachings uh, that the bride holds true and that are necessary to come into the image of Christ. I was standing in the middle of this bridge, which was supposed to be completed, but it ended very abruptly with no warning. Hmm, that's dangerous. Hmm. So these um, people are unaware that they are in danger and that their good times are about to abruptly end. They will receive a rude awakening when they find themselves in the tribulation and unable to rely on their own strength any longer. They will see their need for a Savior. Amen. I was waving the cars down to tell them to slow down, but they paid me no attention. The cars had flashing headlights and were white. Well, they're white because they are God's people. And uh, they're in a hurry, but their path will not bring them to the destiny of the Lord. And... Um, Flashing headlights, I believe, represents that their light to the way is intermittent or broken in places. Amen? The, the cars, she said, were, hunt, were hurting, hurling, excuse me, hurling towards me at a rapid speed, and they screeched to a halt when they noticed that the road no longer continued. In other words, there's no way to get from here to there, Right? Well, these will be spared from destruction at the last minute when they receive the revelation that their lives are spiritually at a dead end and that they have not the foundation of the Word to go further. And um, Rion said this, Matthew seven thirteen and 14, For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many are they that enter thereby. For narrow is the gate, and straightened the way that leadeth unto life, and few are they that find it. And she said, I was then translated to a second bridge that looked like the first, 
but it had many, many warning signs and flashing amber lights. So these cars were going slower, uh, she said, and were waiting patiently for the go sign. The only problem was that this is that this bridge wasn't going anywhere either. Some people are not giving you enough of the word to cause you to stay above the curses of this world and to arrive at Jesus, right? So it was only halfway finished. Hmm. So this second bridge represents the elect of God who are on a dead-end road, but their doctrines, which are too many to mention, uh, will not support them to mature any further. They are closer to the bride, but are slower and more patient, heeding the warnings. Okay, that's that's a step in the right direction. <laughs> a step closer to the bride, right? And there was a big closed for construction sign on a boom gate across the road. But you could still travel onwards for a little ways. Yep, some people are stubborn. They just want to stay on their old road that's not going anywhere. I was then translated to the third bridge, which went like a loop-de-loop across the bay and far out of sight. A loop-de-loop road, huh? (laughs) Well, the loop-de-loop, I believe, represents the way that they are thrown for loops. Have you ever heard that saying? Yeah, thrown for loops, which means no progress, right? Up and down, and and they stay the course. At least they're staying on the road, you know? That's good. And we get thrown for loops, but we stay on the road, right? I was confident in my dream that this was the right one that people should follow. However, there was only one light blue car that made its way down this highway. There's that one that finishes the race, right? This light blue car, or way, uh, is the color of the heaven when the sun is up. In other words, you're in the light, walking in the light. You know what the, what the blue looks like at night. It's not light blue, right? That's because there's no light there. Well, the heavenly color represents being seated with Christ in heavenly places and under the light. And the car is one because the bride is one and not factioned into denominations of men. This is the path of the bride which was shown to her by the first fruits man-child reformers. The bride is a small percentage of the church. And the bride knows the way. Others are going down a dead-hand road. They've got to turn around and come back and start over. Yep. It was coming towards me at a very normal pace, not racing and in no rush. Well, Isaiah 28 and 16 says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord, 
Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone. Now, Zion, of course, is the bride, according to Revelations. Uh, a stone, uh, which is Jesus. A tried stone, a precious cornerstone of sure foundation. He that believeth shall not be in haste. Isaiah 52 and 12 says, For you shall not go out in haste, neither shall you go by flight. For the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rearward. In other words, people uh, sometimes run because they're frightened. You know, but we know that God will get us there in time because of our faith, right? So, Rion said, uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, Know ye not that they that run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. There it is, right? Even so run that you may attain. And every man that striveth in the games exercises self-control in all things. Remember, that's your cross, right? Now they do it to receive a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I as not beating the air, but I buffet my body and bring it into bondage. You're telling that body, you're going to obey me the spiritual man. That's a white horse. That's not a dark horse, right? You harness that old flesh to do what you want it to do, right? The man-child reformers have taught the bride to buffet their bodies by living the crucified life so that Jesus would live in them and manifest himself to the world. And then I woke up, she said. Amen. And here's another revelation by Tiana Fire, August of 2022, called it The Man-Child in Us Slays the Fleshly Beast. Amen. I dreamed I was looking at my bedroom wall, and I saw a large, creepy, red and gray dragon smash its head and uh, thick neck through the wall. And it was looking at me. Hmm. I had one similar to that, a vision. Dragon coming through a window. In fact, I had two like that. One of them was a false prophet, right? Well, the wall, I believe, represents sanctification. But Satan, who is in the body of the world is allowed to tempt and test our sanctification, just like he did in with Jesus in the wilderness. Matthew 4 and 1, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Yep. And as we will see, on an individual scale, this dragon beast head also... Uh, uses as its ally the mind of the flesh, because that's what he uses against you, is your mind of the flesh. Let it die, right? It is red and gray, representing sin and death. It intrudes into our thoughts and tries us. Revelation 12, 9-15, And the great dragon 
was cast down, the old serpent, he that is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they loved not their life even unto death. And verse 13, And when the dragon saw that he was cast down to the earth, he persecuted the woman that brought forth the man-child. And there was given to the woman the two wings of the great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness unto her place where she is nourished for a time and times and a half a time from the face of the serpent. And the serpent is the dragon. So, um, the man-child feeds the woman for three and a half years, we see here, uh, like Jesus did with the bride. And then the remainder of the woman church, see, Jesus... uh, preached to the multitudes, and he also preached to the bride. The one that John the Baptist said was the bride, which was those first fruits people that were following him very closely as disciples. Okay, the bride is the first fruits of the woman church, raised up by the man-child like Mordecai did Esther. Esther the bride became the leader uh, of the church of her day under Mordecai. And um, and in Jesus' day, the same thing. Jesus did the same thing. Verse 15, And the serpent cast out of his mouth after the woman water as a river. We know Jesus has rivers of living water, you know, which he called those that uh, were filled with his spirit and words, right? That he might cause her to be carried away by the stream. So this is lies. The serpent is casting out lies. Now we know who's going to obey that. The world, most worldly are the ones most in danger because they're furthest away from the bride, right? And the, the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the river which the dragon cast out of his mouth. There is strong delusion coming and is even here already. Strong delusion People need to get in the Word. Forget what these people are saying in their thousand years of peace. This is a big fake lie. Oh, yes, and they're going to come out with the alien deception too. So, the earth swallowed the, the lie that the church refused, like the temptation of Jesus by Satan, right? That's why we go through these tribulations, to be tested to see if we're going to believe God or man, right? At the same time that this happened, I saw a man appear on my side of the wall, right next to where the dragon broke through. Uh, Well, I believe this is representing the man-child who will train the church, right? It was as if he already knew that the dragon would come through in that spot before it happened. Why is that? (laughs) Hebrews 2 and 18 says, For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. So he knows the devil's tricks, right? Listen to Jesus. 
the man holding a long but very thin lightweight white sword. Okay. He was holding it so casually and without any effort, he waved the sword down the creature's neck. At the instant, it stuck its head through the wall. So the man-child trains the bride and woman how to do spiritual warfare. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are mighty before God to casting down the strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that's exalted against the knowledge of God. You, you, you run against this every day now. Imaginations pop into your mind. Thoughts pop into your mind. Cast it down if it's contrary to the word of the Lord. You have to police your mind. You can't just let the devil tr- walk all through it and have his uh, heyday there, you know. And every high thing that's exalted against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. The church will learn to defend herself against the mind of the fleshly beast and the fiery darts of the enemy. And, uh, she said, although the sword was thin, it was so sharp that whatever it touched, even lightly, it would cut like butter. (laughs) The sword represents the Word of God. Hebrews 4 and 12. Get the Word of God. You need it. It is your weapon. For living is the Word of God and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing even to the dividing of soul and spirit, both of joints and marrow, and uh, a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. So which thoughts are soulish, worldly, and which are spiritual, right? So you get the Word of God to know that. The creature's head fell to the ground, and the wall patched itself up, and there was no blood. Ooh. Well, Hebrews 12, 2-13 says this, Looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that hath endured such gainsaying of sinners against himself, that you wax not weary, fainting in your souls. This is a good word for today, since we're coming so close to the crucifixion the, the final crucifixion of the man-child and the Judases, right? Uh, you have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which reasoneth with you as with sons. My son, regard not lightly the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Amen. It is for chastening that you endure. God dealeth with you as with sons. 
For what son is there whom his father chasteneth not? But if you are uh, without chastening, whereof all have been made partakers, then are you bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we had the fathers of our flesh to chasten us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed good unto them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. All chastening seemeth for the present to be not joyous, but grievous. Yet afterward it yieldeth peaceable fruit unto them that have been exercised thereby, even the fruit of righteousness. Therefore lift up the hands that hang down, and the palsied knees, and make straight paths for your feet. Well, it was so easy for the man, and it wasn't any effort, and it was as if he had done it many times. Well, yes, I would say that the man-child was trained by the Lord to raise up the church in her wilderness, right? Psalm eighteen thirty-one through 40 says, For who is God save the Lord, and who is a rock besides our God? The God that girdeth me with strength and maketh my way perfect, he maketh my feet like hind's feet and setteth me upon my high places. He teacheth my hands to war so that mine arms do bend a bow of brass. And thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation and thy right hand hath holden me up. And thy gentleness hath made me great. Thou hast enlarged my steps under me, and my feet have not slipped. I will pursue mine enemies and overtake them, neither will I turn again until they are consumed. I will smite them through so that they shall not be able to rise. They shall fall under my feet, for thou hast girded me with strength unto the battle. Thou hast subdued under me those that rose up against me. Thou hast also made mine enemies to turn their backs unto me, that I might cut off them that hate me. Hmm. Well, here's uh, Marie Kelton again, 4.12.22, Overcoming the Spirits of Condemnation and Legalism. Amen. These are two of the big weapons that the devil uses against us. You must be justified by faith to escape them. I was at work in the kitchen area at Food City. Well, I think spiritually working in the kitchen represents preparing the spiritual food for God's people. The man-child and the bride are doing this now as a type of the first fruits of God's end-time harvest of revival, right? The Lord gave me an open vision of a demon pointing to the sink at work, saying that I should clean it better. 
Well, I was thinking all thoughts and statements that have, I could have done this, or should have done this, or would have done this, um, in them are legalistic and condemning and should be resisted and cast down. Because we forget those things which are behind and we press forward to the prize. If you don't forget those things which are behind, you'll be too discouraged to look forward, right? As I was walking away and ignoring the demon, it ran up to me with a spear to stab me, uh, representing more fiery darts of condemnation. Then I saw my spiritual man, who was really angry, turn and kick the demon really hard, and it fell on the ground. Well, we have to face our demons and uh, fight against their constant attacks with the authority Jesus gave us over them, right? I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. That's what he said. Then my spiritual man stepped on its neck really hard. The demon looked scared. As my spiritual man said, Leave me alone with anger and authority. Then I saw the Lord standing in the vision behind them. Mm-hmm. Joshua ten twenty four, And it came to pass, when they brought forth those kings unto Joshua, that Joshua called for all the men of Israel, and said unto the chiefs of the men of war that went with him, Come near and put your feet upon the necks of these kings. Those kings represented, I believe, the five senses of the old man, right? And they came near and put their feet upon the necks of them. And these five kings, which represent our five senses, uh, standing on their neck represents not allowing the old man and his senses to speak through us. Amen? Don't let them speak. Don't let them speak out of your mouth. They'll make the old man bigger. He'll make a giant out of the old man in every problem and every trial in front of you, right? So, Tiana Fire, eleven twenty nine twenty two. God's mighty rushing wind restores and empowers us. Amen. I dreamt that it was late at night, representing spiritual darkness in the land, she says. I was standing outside a house with many other people. It was really dark. However, I could see clearly into the distance. But the people around me were complaining that they couldn't see clearly. Hmm. Well, the bride has the light of Christ, which allows her to have discernment in these times of spiritual darkness. And um, she gives Matthew four sixteen. The people that sat in darkness saw a great light, and to them that sat in the region and shadow of death, to them did light spring up. That's your cure for death, right? And Psalm 18 and 24, For thou wilt light my lamp. The Lord my God will lighten my darkness. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And John 8 and 12, Again, therefore, Jesus spake unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. 
He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Light is life, right? And John 1 and 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness apprehended it not. Hmm. So, get your flashlights out, which means get your word out so you can see in the darkness or you'll make bad turns, right? We were facing the house when all of a sudden a man that was facing away from the house shouted for us to look where he was looking. Well, as we will see, this represents the man-child pointing people towards the power of God and revival. Luke 9 and 35. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, the chosen. Hear ye him. And Isaiah 30 and 21. And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee saying, This is the way, walk ye in it. When you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left. I turned to look and I saw hundreds of tornadoes everywhere. They were all different sizes. And some were moving slow and others a little faster. They were moving in all different directions. Well, it could be revival here. Acts 2, 1 through 4 says, And when the day of Pentecost was now come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound as of a rushing of a mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them tongues parting asunder like as of fire. If you don't like tongues, don't read the Bible because it tells you very clearly it's a gift from God. You need this to be filled with the Spirit. And it sat upon each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they did what? They spoke with tongues. Yeah. Nahum 1 and 3. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power, and will by no means clear the guilty. The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. All of the tornadoes were rainbow-colored. That reminds you of a promise God made, right? But mostly pink. Uh, the spirit and life of the Lord is amazing and beautiful. The rainbow represents God's promises, uh, redemption, and the full glory of God realized. And pink represents love and new life. Amen. Ezekiel 1 and 28, As the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud in the day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness round about. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell upon my face, and I heard a voice of one that spake. Yeah. So, she went on to say, The other people were worried and doubtful. And she gave Romans 11 and 8, which says, According as it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, 
eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear unto this very day. But I knew that these tornadoes were something really amazing. I had such energy and excitement concerning them. I told those around me that the tornadoes are from God, and I started running towards the closest tornado, the closest rushing mighty wind, right? Amen. The Spirit has gifts to give, right? Run to the Spirit. Luke 9 and 34, And while he was saying these things, the cloud came and was overshadowing them, and they were afraid as they entered into the cloud. But it wasn't a bad thing, was it? I was so happy and excited that I just knew that these were a good thing. And when I got to the first one, I ran through it without hesitating, and when I did, it disappeared. But when I hit it, I instantly felt the intense presence of God and an abundance of His love, joy, peace, and all these wonderful feelings that I hadn't felt before. Amen. Just like they felt on the day of Pentecost, right? And the Lord is coming to restore His people, and that's one way He's going to do it. Pour out His Spirit. All right. I wanted more, so I ran to the next closest one, and the same thing happened. It disappeared as soon as I went through it. But I felt the power and presence of the Lord come upon me even stronger than the previous one. Amen. I looked around, and I saw other people running after some also. Well, I hope so. Um. Some were standing near to one, but hesitant to go into it. You know, some of this is the education people are getting in their dead churches, unspirit-filled churches, who have none of the gifts of the Spirit, telling you that this is dangerous, don't go there. Huh. Or some even blaspheming, saying it's of the devil, when the Bible says it's the Holy Spirit. And anybody that blasphemes the Holy Spirit is in trouble. Ooh. Some were standing near to one, but hesitant to go into it. You need this where we're going. When they went into the wilderness, they had the, the baptism in the cloud and the baptism in the sea. And the baptism in the cloud represents the Holy Spirit. You need this where you are going. Don't refuse it. Some people didn't go anywhere near it because of fear. Yep, that fear was put in them by men who don't want the Holy Spirit. I felt a little guilty that I had gone through some and others hadn't, but I was desiring so much to get more. Amen. Let me say, as you're going through these, make sure Everything you accept in your mind and in your heart is of the Word of God. There are false revivals out there. I've talked about them in the past. And false anointings and false manifestations. And Jesus warned about us about them too. But the real one is just exactly what they said they got on the day of Pentecost. In Acts 2 and Acts chapter 4, right? So, I was desiring so much to get more, well, of His power and presence, right? 
Many miss out on all that God has for them because of fear. So I ran with all the speed I had because I wanted to get as many as possible, and I didn't know how long they would be there for. Amen. I ran to one another, to another one, and two people came up running after the same one that I was going for, but they were running so slow that I got so far ahead of them and ran through it first. Yeah. The bride is uh, chasing after the Lord to be as close to Him, just like the Shulamite in Song of Solomon 3 and 4, which says, It was but a little that I passed from them when I found Him whom my soul loveth. I held Him and would not let Him go until I had brought him into my mother's house and into the chamber of her that conceived me. The presence of God was so strong and beautiful. When I went through it, my faith was supernaturally amplified, and the Word of God was instantly known to me. I understood more as wisdom and knowledge was increased to me. Yes, being full of the Holy Spirit causes this. Jesus said, He will take of mine and declare it unto you. Mm-hmm. The uh, Spirit was more intense, and my love and desire for God was greatly increased. So... She said, being imbued with giftings and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I wanted more. I felt that God and His presence was so addicting in all that mattered. And only God is satisfying. She gives, she gives Romans eight thirty-eight and 39. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creation shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And also Ephesians three sixteen through 19 that He give you according to the riches of His glory, that you may be made mighty through His Spirit in the inner man so that Christ can dwell in your hearts through faith in love rooted and grounded so that you be strong to apprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that you may be filled unto all the fullness of God. I started running towards another one, but it was moving so fast I couldn't catch up to it. Hmm. I thought in my mind, God, please, let me get more. I felt two angels come to either side of me and gently guide me, slightly floating, but running at the at super speed to the next pink tornado and the next one and the next one. Oh, so the angels do help us to receive of the great wondrous gifts of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
I went around by the grace of God, running through every tornado that I could, with all my strength and my might. It was all that was on my mind. Praise God. Bless us all in abundance. Well, why are we getting all of these run to Jesus, run to the Holy Spirit? Why are we getting this now? Because we're coming to a deadline for some things that are very important. And uh, we don't want to miss out on what God is preparing us to be and to do. Remember, you can't give anything you don't have. Jesus gave us what He had. And He told us to tarry in Jerusalem until we be endued with this power from on high. The promise of the Father, He called it. Not what some religious people call it. The promise of the Father. So they did. They obeyed Him. And the Holy Spirit fell And they were empowered. And because of that power, they went forth and people called them Christians. Because they walked in the power of Jesus. We have to have this power where we're going. Because the people need Jesus. They don't need us. These are gifts that Jesus had. The Holy Spirit takes of mine and declares it unto you. He wants us to receive the gifts that Jesus had, the ministry that Jesus had. He told us we would have signs and wonders if we believed on Him. These signs shall accompany them that believe. Right? If you really believe you're going to accept this, you're going to run after it, you're going to have to get the true gifts of the Spirit where we're going because they're going to save people, deliver people, heal people, give words of knowledge and encouragement to people. They're going to be all of the gifts of the ministry of Jesus. When you look in the mirror and you see Jesus, as Second Corinthians 3 and 18 says, You're looking at His holiness, which is yours, because you're looking in the mirror. It's yours. You're looking at His righteousness. You're looking at His gifts. You're looking at the supernatural Jesus, not the dead Jesus that many people preach, who just sits up there and watches you go through everything and does nothing to help you. Notice this What we're seeing here that's being run after is the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit Himself. You will need this where you're going. I can assure you. Why did they get baptized in the Holy Spirit in the cloud after being baptized in the sea, putting to death their old man who was chasing them through the Red Sea? Right? Why did they need that baptism of the Spirit? Because they were at the beginning of the wilderness tribulation. Mm -hmm. And so are we. We're at the beginning of uh, trouble. 
tribulation. So if you've heard these things that are scaring you away from running after the Jesus of the Bible, not the one of these dead religions, listen, a lot of religions started out in a blaze of glory and ended up to be a big fizzle. And the reason is, they left the Holy Spirit behind. They organized things the way men do. Men who were not filled with the Spirit then started saying, you don't need to be filled with the Spirit, or that's of the devil, or such goofy things as that. But it's obvious that they don't have the gifts of Jesus, or they'd be doing the works of Jesus. You need to repent and come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. These people will rob you and plunder you, and you will not arrive at Jesus. You'll be going down a dead-end road, and you'll have to turn around and come back and get Jesus to go with you. <laughs> okay? This is serious. This is very, very serious. These These warnings and these exhortations... To run to the Lord. Run to the Lord. Don't get distracted. Don't even get distracted with fellowship if if it's distracting you from running to the Lord. And uh, don't have a form of godliness that denies the power thereof from such turn away, the Bible says. If you're in a church and they don't have power, get out. It's Wrong. It's not Jesus. It's not the road that goes to the other side. It's not the road that keeps you out of the curse. Jesus delivered us from the curse. He became cursed for us. If they're not teaching you that, that's not the full gospel. The full gospel knows that Jesus bore the curse for us. They know that they have been healed at the cross, delivered at the cross, provided for at the cross. All of your provision is in Christ. It's in the rest. We enter into the rest, which means we're not worried about anything because we know Jesus already provided for us. It'll be there when we get there. We don't have to carry it upon our backs. It'll be there when we get there. Every provision from the Lord is there. It will happen. Trust in the Lord. Some people are carrying such a load into the wilderness that they're not going to escape the beast. They can't run very fast. Even the Israelites, they packed everything down to take everything with them. And before they got very far, they started running out of everything. Yeah, you can't pack it on your back. So, put your trust in the Lord. Run after Him. Ask Him for every gift. Be very greedy about the gifts. Be very greedy. Uh, Desire earnestly spiritual gifts, right? Desire earnestly. Why? Well, when that was written, of course, they too were going into great tribulations and troubles, and God knew what they needed, and they were exhorted, and that is now to us, because we're going the same place, you see. 
and uh, great persecution, great trouble? No, not a thousand years of peace, prosperity? No, no. Well, if you read the last uh, books of Isaiah, you see that the bride does live in peace and prosperity, but that's because they've already overcome their devils to a large extent. And they've already overcome their flesh to a large extent. Not completely, but to a large extent. My guess is a lot of them probably are 60-fold when they enter. But be that as it may, um, you can't give away what you don't have. Everybody you run into is going to need what you are supposed to have with you. And the people who never went into any wilderness which are the majority of preachers that are out there. They just got an education, and they got a certificate, and they went out. It didn't have anything to do with experience, right? But Jesus said, To him that overcometh will I give authority. If they don't have to overcome anything, just get a certificate, then, of course, you're in trouble. You're following somebody that should be following and not leading So be very, very wary of men in these days. And yes, we are coming, as the Lord is indicating to us, of the uh, death, the spiritual death and resurrection of the man-child. And, of course, the Judases are going to try to turn people aside. I'm telling you, get ready for them, too. Because though the Lord has shown us clearly that the man-child has almost manifested his death. That means when he dies, Judas dies. That's right. Judas died when Jesus died. So, uh, watch out for these people who are trying to turn you against the gospel or bring to disrepute the people who have been walking with the Lord with all their lies and their slander and foolishness, you know, these people are there to stop you and to turn you from the path. They want to disrepute the people who are bringing the true gospel around this world. So, draw near to the Lord. Get some discernment. And uh, be prepared, because these things are coming. And the wilderness is right behind that. Remember over the years? Well, we know from um, Revelation chapter 6, the first thing that comes is the white horse rider. And everybody says, oh, that's the rapture. No, it's not. (laughs) It's the white horse rider. He's coming to administer... uh, the gifts, the power, the wisdom to the earth. He's coming through a body of the Son of David like he came the first time to repeat. And the very next thing is such a terrible war that the world has never seen. So here the man-child starts the tribulation. He is the first seal. It is a judgment upon the world because like Moses who judged Egypt before bringing God's people into the wilderness. It is a judgment on the world. 
And uh, people say, oh, no, it's Antichrist. Or some people say, oh, no, that's Jesus coming. They're all letter people that have not heard from God. We're, we're near, very near the tribulation wilderness. And people need you to be Jesus and not you. They need Jesus. They don't need us. And the gifts and callings of Jesus, the holiness of Jesus that we get on the highway of holiness that leads to Zion, the bride. If you want to go to the bride, you must live on the highway of holiness. Okay? And so, uh, again, they need Jesus. You need to be filled with the Spirit. You need to have the knowledge of God and not be stuck in these old dead doctrines that don't cause anybody to grow up in God and act and walk in the steps of Jesus. Amen. Oh, Father, we thank you. Thank you for um, what you stressed today, Lord, that we are to run after you in these days. And it should be nothing more important than that in these days because we're coming to a deadline for two groups of people, the man-child and the bride. We're coming to a deadline. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, please help all the brethren out there. We know it's by grace. We've stressed that today. It is a run. It is a race. And... uh the bride Esther was in a race to become pleasing to the king of kings. And she was chosen. And uh, Mordecai, who brought her up, was the little man. Mordecai means little man. And he uh, brought her up and raised her up to be pleasing unto the king. Amen. Amen. So thank you, Father. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. Uh, please draw us by your power unto Jesus. Amen. All right. Well, God bless you, saints. We're going to do this again sometime. Talk to you later. For information, materials, and to contribute, Go to unleavenedbreadministries.org. Contributions only may be addressed to David Eels, Post Office Box 231616, Montgomery, Alabama 36123. Let your streams of mercy flow, oh Jesus, I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. Oh, your mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus, I trust in you. darkest night what will be my guiding light the shining rays of red and white Jesus I trust in you 
mercy seated for all time. I am yours and you are mine, oh Jesus, I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For your mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus, I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For your mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus. in you.